Welcome, friends. I'm Reverend Tim Earhart, and this is Daily Bible Reflections for September 22, 2023. Today's New Testament lesson is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 to 10. A spiritual checkup. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. We pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come. Even if that makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority, for we cannot oppose the truth, but must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come, for I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. New Living Translation God is concerned about our spiritual health and vitality, and so it's important that we have regular spiritual checkups and tests to evaluate the vitality of our faith. If we are spiritually sick or debilitated, the Lord seeks to restore us back to health. In the Gospels, whenever Jesus miraculously healed a person, it was for far more than taking away a disease or correcting a disability. The Lord sought to make them well in order to restore a person's life by including them in the community. For example, leprosy put a person on the outside, both literally and relationally. Ceasing to be a leper meant that a person now had no obstacles to full participation in communal life. Blindness reduced a person to being a beggar in order to survive. Having sight restored meant that the person can now work with others, make a living, and contribute to the needs of others. Incarceration was, and still is, a complete removal of a person from society. Being in prison severs many human connections. Release from jail opens the way to reconnection and an opportunity to have a different way of being with others. Poverty encumbers a person and weighs them down so heavily that it limits their ability to function socially and relationally. Without poverty, a person is able to establish healthy patterns of giving and receiving within the community. Those who are physically whole, mentally sharp, emotionally satisfied, and spiritually redeemed are free of obstacles and impediments to communal life. So it's a travesty whenever the people who enjoy full inclusion in the community turn around and separate themselves, keeping relational distance from certain persons, and do not participate in the common good of all. They make themselves sick and weaken their faith because of their lifestyle. The type of spiritual examination of faith the Apostle Paul was talking about was not to obsess over whether one is a true believer or not. He was referring to the person who claims faith yet maintains separation from others. In other words, to exclude others is the kind of behavior that unbelievers do 
not Christians. Yet there are many sections of Christianity and entire Protestant denominations who pride themselves on such separation. They believe they're being holy and keeping themselves from impurity. However, far too many of them are really putting a sanctified spin on their own sinful predilections to avoid people they don't like. Paul has no tolerance for calling exclusion of others holiness and naming the maintenance of an insider-outsider status as sanctification. The apostle knew this was all poppycock and wanted nothing to do with it. Christ did not die on a cruel cross, take away the obstacles to faith, open the way to know God, and create peace through his blood for a pack of so-called Christians to then erect imaginary concrete border walls to keep others out of Christian community and fellowship. In God's upside-down kingdom, the privileged insiders are really the outsiders, and the underprivileged outsiders are actually the insiders. The privileged believers are just as sick as the leopard, the blind, the poor, and the prisoner, and just as much in need of restoration. The path to their inclusion is solidarity with the entire community of the redeemed, rather than picking and choosing who is in and who is out. All this, of course, is another way of stating that Christianity is as beset with cliques as anywhere else with individual believers, local churches, and particular traditions following their pet theologians and pastors, and not associating with others who follow a different set of folks. The ancient Corinthian church was a train wreck of opposing groups and cliques. The Apostle Paul had had enough of it and called the people to do some serious self-examination, and he was careful not to degrade or discourage them but to try and encourage the church to tap into the Christ which dwells within them. Spiritual health and restoration for Paul meant specific behaviors which intentionally include people. To be inclusive means we actively work toward grafting people into community, as well as discourage behaviors that create division and thus spiritual illness. Here are a few ways of including others. First of all, practice hospitality. The word hospitality literally means love of stranger. A hospitable believer goes out of their way to invite another into their life to give them the gift of relationship and fellowship. Romans 12:13 says, take care of God's needy people and welcome strangers into your home. And 1 Peter Chapter 4 says, Above all, show sincere love to each other, because love brings about the forgiveness of many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining, and serve each other according to the gift each person has received, as good managers of God's diverse gifts. Second, nip bitterness in the bud. In an ideal world, everyone holds hands and sings kumbaya together. We live, however, in a fallen world. Harmony, unity, and peace take copious amounts of energy. Like an attentive gardener, we must do the work of identifying weeds and uprooting them so they don't take over the garden. Hebrews 12 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. 
Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And third, seek to encourage others and learn how to do it. Encouragement is both a gift and a skill to be developed. To encourage another is to come alongside and help someone with both affirming words and willing hands. It's what Jesus did and does for us. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Hospitality, harmony, and help are all forms of love. And love is to be the guiding principle and practice of the church and community. Love is always the prescription for a healthy spiritual life and a restored community of faith. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen.